The Crossman Conversation brought to you today by Community Legal Services, Maynard Cooper, Frontier Partners, by Crossmark Services, and Roto Speaks. The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. The Crossman Conversation is hosted by John Crossman. John's heart is to see our community of leaders unite around what we have in common. John will be joined by political leaders, religious leaders, as well as activists making a difference in our nation. Here is your host for the Crossman Conversation, John Crossman. Hello, this is John Crossman, and welcome to the Crossman Conversation. Mike, hey, buddy. Hey, my friend. How's it going? It's going great. Listen, before we get started, All right. I got to tell you a quick story. All right. <laughs> Love your stories. Listen to this. So, you know, it's been a long time since my dad passed away. But prior to my dad passing away, even in his later years and even in his heavy illness, he was on dialysis, he was trying to do things to make an impact. Yes, he was. And so um, there was this bridge. There was this bridge in uh, Maitland, and it was super ugly, all this graffiti on it and stuff like that. And so my dad reached out to this commissioner and he was like, hey, we should get that bridge painted. We should do this, make this a more beautiful project kind of a thing. So he reached out to this commissioner and, and, and worked with the guy a little bit. But then my dad, my dad got ill and he, he passed away. So years later, years later, by coincidence, I became friends with that guy, no longer commissioner, just a regular mere moral man at this point. He and I became buddies. And he said to me, you know, that bridge that your dad you know, was so interested in, uh, it's finally getting painted. And so I was like, oh, that's cool. Then we talked. And then he said, wouldn't that be cool if that bridge would get named after your dad? I see it all the time. And that bridge is now the Reverend Ken Crossman Bridge in in recognition of his civil rights work as a bridge builder. And then he had that connection. That guy, that guy that made that happen, that's our guest day, Rick Baldocki. Oh, I did not know that. Rick Baldocki. Yes. Is that crazy? So Rick, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You're a good dude, man. You're a good dude. So that was a very cool... Uh, process to make that happen. Yeah. And that was many years. I mean, that was not a, you know, that story, I don't know when, from when it started to when the bridge got named and you were there when we had the whole ceremony for that, but was that 10 years, that whole process? I don't know when it was. Probably close to that. Yes. Yeah. Like the real deal, government in action. And uh, I'm teasing, I'm teasing a little bit there, but uh, thanks for all you did to make that happen. That was very cool. Thanks for letting me be involved. Yeah. No, it's awesome. Um, so Rick, you know, you're an interesting guy because, you know, you've done public service, you've been, you know, an elected official, you've certainly served on their boards and things like that. And on top of that, you have an engineering company. And so you've done business and things like that, but you're not here today to talk about that. You're here to talk about another thing that you created and that's Aquaviva. So do you mind telling us just the story of how did this, how did that, how did Aquaviva happen? What's the story behind that? Well, Agua Viva started on a mission trip through the Winter Park Methodist Church to Costa Rica. And they had done many trips to Costa Rica. But on this particular trip, I was there with my daughter. And the local pastor, for some reason, wanted to take me on a tour. And he took me on a tour of an area called the Precario, which I guess means precarious in Spanish, because these people basically are living, they're squatters, basically. Their life is precarious. And he took me out to show me the condition that these folks lived in. And every house I went to, if there was a man there, he would take me to show me a well that was dug in the ground, an old-fashioned well, three foot in diameter, concrete pipe, and you look down dark and dirty. And so when I was done, I asked the pastor why why did this, they take me to see those? 
He said, well, the church has helped put them in because they have no water. So best we can do is if they dig the well, it has to be about 30 feet deep. Um, we'll come in and put the concrete pipe in. And when, when I saw them pull the water out of that, it looked, looked more like coffee than water. It, it, it was so dirty. And I said, well, how do they dig the well? He said, well, you dig it by hand. We had just finished digging a six foot deep hole. You know, five very healthy American men took us four days and was brutal. The clay was brutal. And I said, well, who digs it? He said, well, mostly when it gets down low, it's kids because they can, they can only fit in the hole. And so I left with this impression of putting kids down a 30 foot hole to dig these wells and the impression just wouldn't leave. So I just started researching what we could do and we ended up, long story short, buying a drill rig and starting to drill wells for these folks in that precario. Wow. That is amazing. That's amazing. Now, you have a lot of background in creating drills? I do not. <laughs> um, but in my in my industry, geotechnical engineers drill a lot of holes in the ground. Okay. They also do drill wells for municipalities. So I had a good friend, um, Scott Davidson, who worked for Artiman and Associates, and he was I knew he was also a Methodist, so we talked. And he and I got together and we figured out how to do this. We, we tried a number of times and failed, but he knew a little enough about drilling that we could get started. That's really fascinating. So you're, you're a regular guy and you've done this mission trip. You heard about, you heard about the problem, kind of walked away with it. And what I, one of the things I love about your story is I tell this to young people all the time. In adult real life, you don't have to have all the answers. You just need to have people you know that have answers, right? So you don't have it all figured out if you got a good account, a good attorney kind of thing. So it feels like you just had in your brain like, I don't have to know how this gets done, but I know people that can know how to do this. And so once you get that on your head and you, you know, t how did you come with the name? I mean, it seems obvious, but tell me about that. It just came to me, you know, um, we, we kind of base it on the story of Jesus at the well with the woman where he says, this is this life, this water will give you life. So living water, agua viva means living water in Spanish. So we're trying to provide living water. Yeah. So, I mean, at its core, you're trying to go to places where they don't have access to clean water, give them access to clean water. And in the process of giving them access to clean water, you don't make children go out and dig in the holes, right? So, I mean, you're giving them clean water, plus you're providing safe working conditions to provide the clean water. Did I get that right? That's correct. That's pretty awesome. That's yes. a pretty big deal. So uh, take me through this. Are you, are you, do you still build wells? Is that still happening? What is this? What's going on with that today? We just celebrated our 100th well. Wow. A hundred wells. Yes. Wow. It, this was, I never envisioned it to be what it is now. Uh, we initially started doing individual wells that would feed maybe three or four households. We are now doing wells that feed a thousand people. Come on. Yeah, we so we we have come up with a system with a water tower. So overnight pump pumps the water up into the water tower and then in the morning it's there. And a lot of the mission teams, this is a lot of volunteer work involved in this. The mission teams will come and dig the trenches and lay the pipe. So it, it's a great job for folks that want to come down and get some hard work and labor in mm -hmm. and, and they can see the fruits of their labor right behind them. Wow. That's immediately impactful. So you're still doing it. You're still looking for communities that need access to clean water. And then you're working on putting the teams together to go there and do the work. Correct. So again, I have like 27 questions where I have to take a break in just a few minutes. But uh, so how do you find the locations that you're going to do well? 
How do you decide? That's a very good question, and it's changed over time. Initially, we were com- we were working with a local Methodist church in Costa Rica, um, and the church would go out and find the spots for us, and because it was somewhat political, right? <clears throat> and then we started getting letters from various communities asking us to come. If you go on our website, there's there's a video, and one of the shots is the wall in the office in Costa Rica full of letters of people asking us to come put it in their community. So we have a process now. We go through the letters and we uh, evaluate them. And then we pick based on that. We also now confer with some of the local municipalities because they don't want us drilling in their service areas. So we actually received a countrywide permit, but we get, we work closely with the municipalities and sometimes the government will come to us and say, can you help us? We don't have enough equipment or time to put in a well. Can you put a well into this location? And then we will, we will oblige and they'll actually fund the well, which helps us through our fundraising. That's really awesome. So, it, you know, it goes back to a lot of collaboration unity because you have to have all these different things working together. You got to Obviously, the local community has got to believe and desire what you want, and you've got some local government to believe in what you want, and then you got to coordinate all the other resources together. Is that correct? Correct. And you have people that are full-time staff running this, working on this every day? Yes, we have, I think, four full-time staff in Costa Rica, one of which is a American who's relocated, and the mm-hmm. other are local Costa Ricans that we're employing, and then we have one part-time employee here in the States. How does that feel that like you came up with some idea and then there's people that are like occupationally doing the job? How does that feel, Rick? It's crazy. I, it, you know, feels good. I, I'm, I'm glad that so many people are being helped with this idea. Um, again, I never thought it would go to where it is today, but it's certainly been fun to watch. Yeah. It's a cool legacy thing. I mean, Mike, you know, has talked about that. Like, you know, what gets said about somebody at their funeral. I mean, that's definitely a big part of your life to say, Hey, this is a guy that, you became aware of a need and then used all his resources to make impact. And you got to think there's, 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 you know, a three-year-old somewhere getting clean water because of, and, and part of Rick Baldocki, that's, that's got to feel pretty awesome. Yeah. I think the, one of the data points that really speak to me is the dysentery rate for children in the areas we go in goes from like 70% down to two. Cheapers creepers. Wow. Wow. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, and the need is great. I mean, if you look at uh, international water needs data, mm-hmm. we, we're we not just finding this as a local issue. It's all over the world. Wow, wow. Well, uh, with that, uh, Rick, I want to take a quick break, uh, and then I want to come back and go to a little bit deeper and talk a little bit more about um, uh, how people hearing this could reach out and help you and be involved in that. So I got kind of two big topics, and that's one, and the other one is you know, just um, what people need to do when they when they feel calling to serve. Because obviously, you felt it and did something about it. Like, a lot of people feel it. A lot of people yell at TV set. They don't do anything. So I just want to talk about that for another segment, another session when we get back. Um, so real quick, we're going to take a break. And we'll be right back here at the Crossman Conversation uh, with my good friend Rick Baldocki. 
Managing a team that has a lack of accountability and effective communication can be frustrating. Bill Roto-Rooter can help you build a cohesive team and a collaborative work environment. As a retired commander of the Navy's premier training system and research development organization, Roto has the experience to help you build trust and a high-performing team as you navigate high-pressure situations. To schedule a complimentary call with Roto, go to rotospeaks.com and complete the form and put the Crossman conversation in the message field. I'd like to thank Maynard Cooper and Gale PC for being a sponsor of our program. Maynard is a full service law firm with over 350 attorneys and 14 offices nationally who serve with professional excellence in everything from corporate and business matters to day-to-day legal issues. The office in Central Florida focuses its practice in real estate, corporate transactions and organization, banking and finance, along with trust and estates. To learn more, visit MaynardCooper.com. Community Legal Services is a civil legal aid organization providing no-cost legal help to the underserved. They call it Legal Aid for All. Their attorneys assist with legal issues related to family law, housing, domestic violence, veterans' benefits, and much more. Community Legal Services is a community-supported program. To learn more and help support the mission, visit clsmf.org. That's clsmf.org. Community Legal Services. Legal Aid for All. Crossmark Services is a commercial real estate firm offering a wide range of professional services, including advisory, brokerage and leasing, investing, and property management. Our staff comprises the industry's most seasoned professionals who possess the needed knowledge in real estate investments, analysis, and portfolio management to drive growth. See how Crossmark can work for you. That's CrossmarkServices.com. Are you willing to serve communities in crisis around the world to people who are impoverished, oppressed, and persecuted? Frontier Partners International offers mission opportunities in areas least served to meet the needs of the helpless, hapless, and hopeless, and is currently serving earthquake survivors in Syria. Share the love and joy of Christ and give the gift of a hope-filled future to someone in desperate need. Learn more at FrontierPartners.org. That's FrontierPartners.org. Once again, here is John Crossman. We are back here with Rick Baldocki with Aqua Viva, the really, really important organization that he founded that's providing clean water to children in parts of the world that were not getting clean water, which is just totally amazing. Rick, one of the things when I think about you in this subject is the fact that uh, Aquaviva is such a great name and that water is critical, right? When we think about, I'm a big history guy. When you think about great civilizations that don't exist anymore, I think the most common thing is access to water. Like if you have a community and that gets shut off, the community is going to end. And if it's the Romans or the Mayans or the Incas or whatever, once you have a water problem, it, it is totally over. So, you know, this is not an optional thing. Like this is super, super critical. And so to lean in and doing that work is, is really amazing. Well, yeah, it's like getting stranded on an island, right? First thing you're going to look for is water. And I think it's the basis of a civilization, which is why so many cities are located near bodies of water or rivers. Yeah, that's right. I mean, what is it like you can live, um, you know, 30 days technically without food, but you're not making it like four days without water. So yeah. you, you, it's a super priority. Now, uh, one of the things I wanted to hit on this segment is that there are people who certainly feel stirred. You know, they see some problem in the world, whatever whatever it be. And I think a lot of them, and I'm not trying to be shameful of this, but they kind of just do nothing. Or 
they kind of do a little something. And you went to this whole other point where you really pushed in really heavy and hard. So um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, uh, if somebody said to you like, man, Rick, I'm really passionate about, you know, wanting to see children being adopted or uh, really help out education. I'm worried about that or healthcare. Um, how does somebody get it together to be able to make the impact and the way you've made an impact? Well, again, it comes down to finding what you are passionate about and then finding the best way to get involved. And in my case, an opportunity presented itself to me that I think I was fortunate in that. Uh, others, you may need to go look for it a little bit more. And there's certainly many resources here in town that, that can help to do that. If you become passionate about giving water to children in Costa Rica, I would suggest, I mean, I could ask you to write a check and that might be nice, but I would suggest you'd be better off going on a trip. Um, because, yeah, we've talked about how we help folks in Costa Rica, but in my experience, the folks who actually go on a trip and seeing how it changes their lives is almost as impactful, if not more, than the people who are receiving this gift. Well, I, when, I, when you say um, passionate and the opportunity, one of the other things that comes up with is that you had credibility, right? Like, uh, be prior you getting involved in this, you'd had a long-term process of being involved in the community, doing things. People knew that you were legit to be counted on. So it wasn't like you just came out of, out of nowhere. So when I think about people having passion about a topic, you know, they really need to have me a credible person that's, you know, getting things done. Sometimes when people don't know what to do, I'm like, hey, uh, volunteer somewhere and become known as a very credible volunteer. And then when you raise your hand to do something more significant, right? And I think the other part because I don't want to skip over this. You also knew your own limitations and you were, we worked to get a team together. It's not like you tried to do the whole thing yourself. Some people have a lot of success because they're like completely in charge. They're trying to do it all. Um, you didn't do that. You, you really worked to get the right people around you. So credibility key, that takes time, uh, relational key, uh, knowing your own limits. So all that came into part of the process as well. Correct. Correct. I think we're saying the same thing and what I'm recommending to folks, if they don't, have that opportunity, sign up, whether it's with us or another nonprofit. You know, for us, you sign up, that's all you gotta do. We'll take care of the rest and um, we'll introduce you to this this particular nonprofit, but I'm sure most nonprofits are the same. They're looking for volunteers, find one you like and sign up. I like that a lot. So let's, let's specifically talk about what that means with you guys. Now, first off, let me just say this. Um, people could write a check, right? If somebody said, hey, I do not want to get my hands dirty. I don't want to go there. I want to stay in my home, but I love what you're doing. Uh, I just want to write a check. They can do that, correct? They can just make a donation. Absolutely. We have a lot of our supporters take that route. Some of them have been before and are just at a point now they can't go. Mm -hmm. um, but most people that do go end up writing checks later. There you go. And I tell people all the time, like one of my favorite expressions in life is you, you vote with your dollars, right? Like, you know, when you think about what you want to impact the world on, where you spend your money, you know, you're, you're making that investment. So if this is something, something it's laid on your heart to do that. Now, if there's a chance though, that they could go, uh, I would tell them to go because I think then they really get the personal experience. That's, that's the other thing when you talked about like passion, like when you've had the human experience, that's a whole different thing too. Right. Right. If they want to go, um, well, it's easy for us. We've got avs.ngo. That's our website. And there's a volunteer button and you can click the button and say you're interested in going on a trip and you'll be contacted by John Shawns, our executive director. 
and he'll arrange a trip, whether it's a trip that we already have planned and you can join, or we can customize a trip just for you and your family. And it's usually a four day, five day trip. Is there anything like, uh, you'd be really great at this trip if like, you know, uh, if they have a construction background or they're kind of a high energy person or they like being outside. I mean, I know it's, it's probably a wide range, but is there anything particular that it better connects to some people than others? We've not had a problem with finding something for anybody to do on the trip. You really? Know, if you don't like digging ditches, uh, the people who are digging ditches need lunch and water. You can drive and go pick up water, go get lunch. Um, you can prepare lunch at the church. There are, you can teach vacation Bible school at the church. There are number of different things that can be looped into our trip. So if you're like a manly man that you're like, man, I love going and getting dirty and being in my yard, getting stuff done. You could use that same energy there. But if you're somebody like, Hey, I, I just want to rock a baby or I want to like play with kids and while others doing that, that can be done too. And kind of everything in between. So there, there is a broad of what we're of doing things. And, you know, I think that people who really see it, it's life-changing. Like, I'm sure you've had people do one trip and they're like, even they never went again, but it's a forever impactful in their lives. Is that correct? Yes. I had one friend of mine who's also very active in serving the community. Have his, his son went down on a trip with us. And about six months later, he said the trip totally changed his son's life. He got on a different track and he's off to college and he said it made a huge difference. Just a small thing. My daughter, who was probably 13 at the time, came home and said one of the most insightful things to me I've ever heard is, Dad, I went down there and I'm sitting there worried about what version of iPhone I have. And these people are worried about finding water for the day. So she got it, too. Right, right, right. I, listen, I needed to hear that today, Mike. I needed to hear that. Man, that's really awesome. Um, so people can go to the website. They can sign up. They can volunteer. Uh, they can write a check. Um, I, I know you appreciate their prayers and people thinking about you and, um, and supporting in other ways. Is there anything else you think people need to know about Aquaviva and, and, and the important work you do that we haven't touched on? Well, I'd say the last thing is that we are very, uh, focused on being sustainable. So our new communities where we put in a well and a tank, people in the community have to band together and create a little charter locally. And we have installed meters. They actually start paying into the system. We keep that money and use it when it needs maintenance. So without the buy-in from the community, we're not going in anymore because we have so many neat, all those letters I talked about on the wall. So we are sustainable, creating communities and bringing people together and trying to create a healthy environment for them. Yeah, Malcolm Gladwell in his book, uh, Outliers, he talks about 10,000 hours to become proficient in something. And one of my favorite stories in there is about how the Beatles, you know, went to Germany before they came to do the Ed Sullivan show. You know, when you, when you see that clip of them on Ed Sullivan show and you're like, what has happened? They seem so relaxed. Like, Mike, you're a musician. Like, you look at their faces and they just look like the most chill dudes in the world. Well, they had done over a thousand shows in Germany. I just saw a clip recently of them singing like in Norway or something like that. So... When they had this pivotal moment, it was just so easy. And so when I hear you saying that you've done a hundred, which is amazing, um, but it also feels like you've had a lot of questions have come up along the way. So you keep tweaking it, right? So the, the numbers is getting better, more efficient, and that's just awesome. You're making it happen. Yeah, it's definitely been a journey and started with a lot of failures and a lot of tweaking, a lot of learning new 
things, finding new ways to do things, dealing with the locals, seeing what they really need. And um, now, now we're dealing with, we're so successful, we're dealing with folks will come in unbeknownst to us and tap onto our system. And so in one community, uh, some folks from Nicaragua came in and tapped into the community and suddenly the locals were running out of water in the morning. So we're trying to find a way to negotiate all of that. We don't want to, you know, we want to serve people, but we're going to have to probably install another well on that system to keep up with the demand. Wow. That's totally, totally awesome. Um, and, and do you think someday you'll be doing wells and other continents and stuff like that? We've talked about that. Um, right now, I think we're content on the area because we understand the geology. Someone asked us to go to Africa at one point, but it, it's a completely different geology. We would have to do big investment to get there and understand it. But I, I'd say it's not out of the question. There's plenty of need in Costa Rica for now. Someone asked that question, what if someone gave you a million dollars, what would you do? And our board is discussing that because that's like, <laughs> what's the next step? Right, right. No, and and uh, uh, scalability has uh, wonderful links to it, but also, you know, responsibilities that comes with that as well. So um, that's awesome, man. And, it, you know, it's also interesting that someone else hasn't solved this problem. You know, it's funny. It's like, this is one of those things, wouldn't it be great if you had a really good competitor, right? Like someone else was getting there doing wells better faster, but it sounds like you don't. It sounds like you're not doing it. This It's not getting resolved. Is that correct? It is not. There's guys doing it for money in Costa Rica. Right. And th there was one little story, I, if we got time, that we had a problem with a well that, and we couldn't fix it and we needed equipment. We needed help. And the word got out in the community and all of a sudden the local hardware store owner showed up, the local highway department workers showed up with a backhoe and all these people started coming to help basically the underserved in their community, but they had never done it on their own. Wow. Suddenly they saw us having trouble. They all showed up. So, you know, there's a demand for them to want to do that. Someone just has to give them the path, right? Mm. Yeah. I mean, you, you point out the elephant in the room maybe, or, uh, or it, it was a strike point to make it happen, but you did it. Um, Rick, thank you. Thank you so much. You're, 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 you're a man of legacy. You're impacting generations of lives. That's a heavy thing I'm putting on you, but it's, it's true. And I'm grateful for the generational impact you've had on my family. And I'm grateful the generational impact you have on families I'm never going to meet. So thank you for being that, you, Rick Baldocki. Thank you. Just following your lead. <laughs> Don't bet that. I'm grateful for it. Uh, but thanks, Rick. Thanks, Mike. Uh, this has been John Crossman, The Crossman Conversation. And as always, support your local HBCU. This has been Crossman Conversation, produced by a Crossman Career Builders Mark Radio Production.